The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 31st, 2023. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, and my engineer, and my co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Ken's another year older. Happy birthday. We celebrated his birthday both on Wednesday, when he turned 75, and then we had a wonderful, wonderful uh, weekend party. I want to say thank you to all the folks that showed up, and I want to say thank you to all the people on Facebook that wished him a very, very happy birthday. Well, I have a very special guest uh, this morning uh, for this show. Joining me on the phone will be Laura Wells, longtime activist and Green Party organizer. And we'll be talking about political parties and the process they go through to get on the ballot and how that is regulated along with some history. I've always been curious about that. You know, why third parties can't get on, you know, all this rigmarole about this one stealing the vote. And I mean, that we're just stuck with two parties. It's just it's an amazing process. And so I thought if I don't know about it, most people don't know about it. So I thought, well, hey, let's do a little bit of an overview. Well, also, I've got some really exciting news. As you know, uh, KBBF here, 89.1 FM, uh, Calistoga, Santa Rosa is celebrating 50 years on the air. I can't believe it. I mean, 50 years. I mean, in August, uh, August, I think it's 13th, I will be celebrating 50 years since I moved to uh, Sonoma County. And they want to invite you to celebrate with them. And we're really, they're really lucky. They're going to be having Senate Majority uh, uh, Mike McGuire, who's going to be our Master of Ceremonies. And he does a wonderful job. The event's going to be happening on August 3rd. It's going to be happening at the Luther Burbank Center here in Santa Rosa. And what's really, really interesting about this celebration is just coming together and just 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 celebrating the fact that this station has survived for 50 years. I mean, it's so difficult to keep these smaller stations, these public radio stations on the, the air, particularly if they're bilingual, you know, and KBBF was the first public radio bilingual station in the United States. I mean, that's an amazing thing. So the, the event is happening uh, August 3rd, and that's at, going to be at at the Luther Burbank Center from 5 to 8 p.m. And when I came in this morning to do the show, I got a little bit of announcement. Hey, the seats are filling up quick. So if people want to get a seat and want to come to the to the celebration, you go to kbbf.org. You press the little button. There's a button on top that says tickets, and you can get tickets for the event. And I know it's just going to be an absolutely wonderful event. Our own Judy Elliott and her crew has got together a wonderful, wonderful silent auction and 
I am really excited about it. We actually have, uh, we've, we've ourselves have donated two books. So it's, uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful party and lots of good events. So remember, if you want to participate, just go to kbbf.org, hit the little button, get yourself a ticket, and looking forward to seeing you. And also, uh, we will be there. Ken and I will be there, and we will have some wonderful, wonderful uh, pledges to give out to the folks that show up. So that's a lot to think about, and, you know, it's very important that we support our community programs here in Sonoma County. Well, I have another announcement, you know, another 50th anniversary, man. Everybody's sharing, celebrating 50 years in, in Sonoma County, and this is the 50th anniversary for the Gravestine Apple Fair. And that's happening August 12th and 13th in uh, downtown uh, Sebastopol. And so uh, it's going to be happening from 10 to 6 p.m. And you can go on to the uh, uh, GravestineAppleFair.com website and they will give you all the information, all you need to know. Well, like I said, uh, I said a happy birthday to my dear partner, Ken Norton. I mean, it's, time is just going by so, so quickly. It's just amazing. You know, we're all getting older. And, you know, for myself, if there's any woman out there who's got that itch, you know, maybe she wants to get involved in radio, please uh, email me at E-L-A-I-N-E-B-H-O-L-T-Z at gmail.com. That's Elaine B. Holtz at gmail.com. And let's have a conversation. You know, I can talk to you about what it takes to be on the radio, what it takes to be a producer, and how you can get trained down here. And it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling to have to have a voice. Voice is very important. Speaking out and being heard, I believe, is very important. Well, I want everybody to know that... Uh, <laughs> A reminder, first of all, that the Sonoma County Gazette is now on the street, and I'm really excited. In Radio Land, they mentioned the fact that uh, I was honored at the Juneteenth uh, event this year. I'm really very proud about that. But make sure you pick up a paper because, especially, read the Radio Land. Very, very informative. Also, I attended this month the Commission on Human Rights meeting on July 22nd, where the Kathleen Finnegan Award ceremony. And Kathleen Finnegan was a dear, dear friend of mine was presented it's the first one this was the first time it was presented and the recipient was heather jackson from acts of kindness you know acts of kindness is a volunteer run nonprofit uh, organization whose mission is to provide necessities resources and advocacy to enrich the well-being of the homeless and financially underprivileged in our computer excuse me our computer in our community lane our community congratulations Heather, it's well deserved, and you know it really shows. You know, Margaret Mead said the difference. One, what one, the difference one people, a one person can make is just amazing. And Heather uh, Jackson actually proved this by starting this nonprofit on her own. Now she has a staff. You know, she's a three hundred one. Uh, 501C. Is that it, Ken? 501C. So they're nonprofits, so you can make donations to them. A very, very committed woman. And so congratulations to her. And I was really, really happy to be there. You know, Kathleen Finnegan was a really good friend of mine, and she made an impact. You know, she believed in in activism. She believed in showing pictures. She did an amazing uh, homeless display. And we all miss her dearly. And it's wonderful that the uh, 
Commission on Human Rights has decided to uh, have the Kathleen Finnegan Award, and it's going to be happening every year. I want to do a shout-out to them. You know, we need to honor our women. We need to let people know when somebody does something good, and it's wonderful to have an award named after them. Well, I cannot believe it. This is the last Monday of the month, and we'll be doing the Women's Spaces Pledge. And like I said, I just also wanted to let folks know that it'll be 50 years in August that I moved up to Sonoma County to go to Sonoma State University. It's amazing how fast time goes by. I mean, my little girl was eight years old, and now she's a grandmother, you know, and I'm a great-grandmother, which is amazing. But I've been up here for 50 years in August, and it's just an amazing place to live here in Sonoma County. And just when you become active, you you get to meet a lot, a lot of wonderful, interesting, interesting people, and I really appreciate all of them. You know, I also want to make a, a shout-out to our local organization. I mean, they, they are just amazing. Be sure to pick up one of their guides and their magazines. You know, uh, it, it's, 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 a, it's amazing how much support they give the local businesses. And it's very important that we keep things as local as possible. And the, the uh, organization Go Local is just amazing. And just check them out. Check them out. And also look and see if all your local businesses belong to the organization because it's a very important organization to keep everybody focused on the local businesses and supporting them. Well, you know, as I do... Every once in a while, I look up all the funny, you know, what day are we celebrating today? You know, well, you know, it's part of our history. And I I couldn't believe that I found this. Today, we are celebrating Single Working Women's Day. In other words, all the women, single mothers, single alone, and it all were celebrating the fact that there are many, many single women on the workforce. It was founded by Barbara Payne, a single working woman herself, for her unique perspective on being a single woman who held a job, led her to see how much women just like her contributed to society. Payne and her friends would often wonder why there were so many holidays for mothers, fathers, and even friends, but there was nothing for single women. See, another woman comes forward and says, look, I don't like it. I want to start something. I want to get some attention here. Very, very important. So then they created the Single Working Women's Affiliate Network and subsequently Single Working Women's Day, which is happening happening today, July 31st, the last day of the month. Amazing. Well, as we do every Every Monday, I always go through our history is our strength. Why do I do that? I feel it's very important that we know our history, that we know what what women, whose who shoulders we are standing on and, and the con- contributions they made. Often, oftentimes women are, they're forgotten. You know, it's like I, I was looking, I was looking, especially women of color, they had a thing on YouTube, which is amazing. How many women of color did inventions, you know, for hair dues, for our kitchen, all kinds of different things that there are not recognized. So our, our history is very important. And I want everybody to know that all names, uh, all this national hi- women's history can find, be found on the National Women's History Alliance which I understand they are also going to be celebrating another uh, another 
important event that's coming up, which I hope to have some information by next week's show. Well, let's let's go. Let's start looking at who what's happening uh, on July 29th in 1974. It, they were called the Philadelphia Eleven. Amazing. They were uh, deacons: Merrill Bitter, uh, Alda Bosnoff Campbell, Allison Cheek, Emily Hewitt. Uh, Carter Hayward, Susan Haliot, uh, Marie Moonfield, Jeanette uh, Picard, Betty Shishis, Katrina Swenson, and Nancy Whitting. They were all ordained as <laughs> Episcopalian uh, ministers. Amazing. Actually, they're called priests. How do you pronounce that? Uh, can Episcopalian priest. Yeah. I finally got it. It's really amazing. So congratulations to all these, these women. And from what I understand, many of them are still uh, at the pulpit. And it's an amazing when women come to the forefront and are become leaders in spiritual movements, especially for the longest time, women were told that they should be silent in the church. Well, that's that's definitely that's definitely changed. Well, on July 30th, 1939, this was very, very interesting. Ella, uh, Eleanor Schmiel, the woman's right activist, co-founder and president of the, of the Feminist Maj- uh, Majority Foundation. Let me turn this page here. Uh, in 1997, and actually, she was one of the. She started the uh, the publication of Miss Magazine, and also was president of the National Organization for Women from 1977 to 1982, and then from 1985 to 1987. Hmm, she shared the same experience I had. I was the president for the National Organization for Women here in Sonoma County for about five years. An amazing organization. You know, let me just let me talk a little bit. <clears throat> little bit by uh, about the feminist majority foundation it's a non-profit organization headquartered in arlington county virginia whose stated mission is to advance nonviolence and women's power equality and economic development the name feminist majority comes from a 1986 newsweek gallup public opinion poll in which 56 percent of american women self-identified as feminists Wow, that is so interesting. 56%. You know, that was uh, the beginning of the second wave, I remember, of the women's movement. Of uh, American women self-identified as of feminist presidents and one of the founders, Eleanor Schmell, whose name uh, came to reflect the results of the poll, simply that the majority of women are feminists. Well, that, that proved it with that little survey that they did. And I wonder how that would be today. You know, I, I think oftentimes women are a little bit shy about calling themselves feminists. It's almost like feminist has become a, a little bit of a dirty word, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Excuse me. Well, another thing that happened that I found very, very interesting is that in <clears throat> July 30th, 1940, Patricia Schoeder, U.S. Representative from Colorado from 1973 to 1977, first woman to serve in U.S. Congress from Colorado, first woman, first woman in the House Armed Services Committee, promoted the Family and Medical Leave Act of 1993, president and CEO of the Association of American Publishers from 1997 to 2008. Wow. Patricia Schroeder, what a, what a resume she has. Well, 
happy birthday. And it looks like she is still with us. Well, she's about the same age I am, you know, born in 1940s that make her 83 years old. And I'm sure that she's still around. And a happy birthday also. Uh, she was born July 31st, which is today in 1924. And she made her transition in 2010. And that was Geraldine Hoof Doyle. Remember this name, Geraldine Hoof Dale Doyle, the model for the World War II. We can do it. Remember with Rosie the Riveter, you know, putting up her arm like the muscle. We can do it. And women did do it. You know, it was Rosie the Riveter's women who worked in the factories to support the war effort. And it was amazing during World War II. We were, we had very, very little equipment. It was amazing how quickly the country came together. Factories opened and the war machine started. And because so many men were going to war, the women had to take over and they made this poster and Geraldine Hoof Doyle happy birthday July 31st and she made her transition in 2010 and she was the model for that (laughs) so many you know when you look at it women have really had an impact on our whole culture I mean let's face it ladies I mean we bring forth the children we bring forth life there would not be one person on this planet if it weren't for women so you know women have play a very big part and we have to recognize that and what's going on in today's world is heartbreaking they just want to push us back to the 1930s maybe when we were scared to death to even open our mouths anyway lots to think about a lot to think about and like I said it's the last Monday of the month and we do the pledge Now, why do I think the pledge is so important? I actually have one in English and one in Spanish. And for those who decide to come out to the KBBF uh, 50th anniversary celebration, you can get a card in either English or Spanish or both. Whatever, whatever makes you happy. And so we're going to do the, the pledge today. And I see Ken has it up on the board already. So pledge, will you join me, Ken, when I do this? Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. So let's, let's just say it. I'll say it first and then we'll, then we'll do it together. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relation with myself. And I decided for this thing, I'm going to change it and the creator. I just love that word creator. I like higher power, but I like the word creator, that which creates all. I mean, if you look at your garden, you say, oh, my God, who created that? The great, great mystery. So I'm going to say the first line, Ken, and then you repeat after me, and we'll go through the whole thing. So let's go. One, two, three. My self-esteem. My self-esteem. Does not depend. Does not depend. On anything. On anything. Outside of me. Outside of me. My self-esteem. My self-esteem. Depends. Depends. On my relationship. On my relationship. With myself. With myself. And the creator. And the creator. Oh, I love that, Dickhan. Do you like that? And the creator. Doesn't that give you a sense of... I don't know. Just it just broadens it all out. It's just it's unlimited. That which creates. So I'm going to say it one more time. And just think about what I'm saying, you know. And I this I read the pledge five times before I come in the air to remind myself that my self esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. That means forget forget everybody else's opinion. It doesn't mean someone can't make a suggestion and might help you improve yourself. I mean, I get suggestions all the time. But the most important thing is to realize that your self-esteem does not depend on anybody's judgment outside of you. Your self-esteem depends on your relationship with yourself and your higher power. 
and their great creator. I mean, there's so many ways to put that. I mean, I think of it the great creator, the great mystery, the great whatever, the great whoever, the great why, who knows, but it's some sort of power that's greater than us. So I'm going to remind myself and I'll remind everybody else again. My self-esteem does not depend on anything outside of me. My self-esteem depends on my relationship with myself and the creator. Wow, lots to think about. (laughs) Well, we're going to take a musical break. And the song I'm going to be playing is a a woman sings it by the name of Catherine Bergeron. And it's called My Voice... My vote is my voice. My vote is my voice. And when we return, I will be talking with Laura Wells, a longtime activist and organizer for the Green Party. And we'll be talking about political parties and the process they go through to get on the ballot and how it is regulated along with some history. So let's go ahead and let's play that song, Ken. Clear my vote. 
You know, I think that's so interesting when I hear that saying, my voice is my vote. You know, we don't realize, you know, we take it for granted voting. There are still countries across the globe that have do not have the right to vote, particularly women. And we, we just kind of take it for granted. So I just think it's just an amazing song, my, vo- my Voice is My Vote, and that we do that every four years for president and other every two years for uh, people in other other offices. So it's an amazing thing to be able to vote. We had Just think about that for a second. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me on the phone is longtime activist and Green Party member, uh, Laura Wells. Welcome, Laura. Welcome to Women's Spaces once again. Well, thank you, Elaine. It's great to be here. Well, I'm really happy. I'm happy to hear your voice, and I know it's going to be a pretty, a pretty interesting subject that we're going to try to cover in this in this next half hour to try to give people a little bit of education about what is the voting process. You know, I'm I'm so confused. After I start reading about it, I got a little bit more clarity. So, before we begin, is it okay if I just tell the folks just a little bit about you? Sure. Laura Wells was born and raised in Michigan. As a scholarship student, she earned her B.A. in foreign languages from Wayne State University in Detroit in 1969 and was elected to the Phi Beta Kappa Society. Laura went on to earn a master's degree in education at Antioch University and lived in Boston, Massachusetts for 10 years working in finance, computer programming, and systems analysis. I can't imagine you doing that, Laura. Since <laughs> since registering as a green, Laura has served in a number a number elections, and we're going to talk about that. That's why I believe I called her on as a as a as an expert, as someone who knows a little bit about the process. And she's run for so many offices. How many offices have you run for, Laura? Well, I started with without any intention to do this. I started. I first ran for state controller as a Green Party candidate with a full slate of everyone from governor to secretary of state, attorney general, and so on, in 2002. And so for one reason or another, every four years, I ran, uh, generally for state controller, because follow the money. If the money's off, it's all off. I don't care what anybody says. It depends on where the money's going. Uh, and then I ran for governor in 2010 after the 2008 global meltdown when I thought, you know, when it seemed like following the money would be a very good idea and all that. So I've, I've ended up running every four years since 2002. But I swear I'm not going to again. And, and I told my daughter uh, to remind me not to run again. We'll open the space for other people to run. Um, and she said, you never listen to me. So... I, I'm listening this time. <laughs> well, daughter, it's it's amazing, daughter relationships. You know, well, you know, talk about you know you you're so dedicated to the Green Party, and I know prior to the Greens, you must have been an, an affiliated with something else. So why don't you talk about your political involvement and and what 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 gave you that oomph to become a member of the Green Party? Well, and where did you get your confidence? Well, I I feel as if uh, when my daughter was eight years old which was in 1992, about that time, I feel as if I pulled my head up out of the sand and thought, wait a minute, I thought things were getting better. You know, with the civil rights movement and the women's movement and Earth Day and the 70s and all of that stuff. I thought things were getting better, but I started to realize they weren't. And about that time, a friend of mine 
said, Laura, I had a dream that you were in politics. And I said, I hate politics. <laughs> and he said, well, try the Green Party of 1992. It was a brand new um, party. And so I went there. And it's basically what it stands for, peace and justice and the environment and real democracy and takes no corporate money. So you put all that together, and I went, yes, that, that, that kind of politics I can go for. Um, I did vote for Clinton in 1992, but I swore off um, voting for Democratic Party presidents after NAFTA got uh, implemented uh, with it a year later after he was inaugurated. And the Zapatistas said no, and, and I guess Laura Wells said no. But I've, but it's just, for me, it's that what the Green Party stands for and is struggling to um, advocate for is are the basic values of Californians, the basic values of Americans. It's what we need. And so I, I won't give it up. <laughs> Well, you know, it's That's really interesting. It's really interesting when you talk about it. You know, I've been I've been a member of the Democratic Party because my family were Democrats, and I switched to the Green, then I went back to Democrats, and and I'm so confused. I get so confused about all of these issues. And in doing my research, I was amazed to see how many political parties there are in the United States. You know, as of December 2021, uh, there are 209 state level ballot qualified political party affiliates in the United States and only five parties that make the final ballot. And when I found out the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are eligible in all states, the Libertarian Party is, is uh, eligible in 50 states to go on the on the ballot, and then the Green Party is 44 states. You know, and 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 uh, they also have some of the uh, third parties have write-in status. So, and then they have the Constitution Party, who has uh, 24 states write-in status, is also there. Talk about, you know, how is it that you, we have these parties and yet they have such a difficult time getting on the ballot? And then even when they get on the ballot, they're called spoilers. I mean, it, 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 it just doesn't make any sense to me. So talk about some of the challenges uh, Green parties, excuse me, third parties have to get on the ballot. And is there, well, anything, is there anything in our Constitution that prevents alternative parties to the Democrats and the Republicans from running? I mean, what, what is the shtick? Okay, so that, that's a, a great big question. And the bottom, the, the thing to keep in mind, I think, is that it's complicated. And I think it's complicated by design. So when people don't know, things change, every state is different, every county is different, and there are, you know, thousands and thousands of counties across the country, we could not, unlike some other countries, we could not audit a presidential election to see if everything was done right, because it's different systems, uh, you know, thousands of different systems. And in the Constitution... Um, the the Electoral College, I assume that's in the, in the Constitution, but the Electoral College is one of the very big problems that we have in, in our elections. And it hurts the possibility that independent parties will gain the kind of support 
that they would otherwise gain based on their values, based on what people want. Um, but the Electoral College, for example, uh, both in the year 2000 and in the year 2016, presidents were elected, George W. Bush and Donald Trump were elected without the popular vote. And this is 20, you know, this is the 2000s, you know, the year 2000s, where computers could easily count the uh, vote, you know, the, the direct popular vote, rather than have the Electoral College. And I forget how many California has two uh, senators. It reflects the same number of, you get, each state gets the same number of votes as they have represent, representatives in Congress, in Washington, in the Senate, and the House of Representatives. In other words, California, huge state, has two senators. There are, we have as much population as maybe the 17 or something, the lowest population states. So if it is 17, they would get 34 votes and we get two. And that's the Electoral College. And the reason that the Electoral College started out basically is very much related to slavery because they didn't, the South would not join the Union if all they got were the representation of the number of voters that they had because they had very few white men of property, but they had a lot of slaves. So they, people that they had enslaved, to say it more properly. And, and what the, so the the people that they had enslaved were counted for like three-fifths of a vote. But they didn't get to vote. But they counted for that much. And the states themselves got two senators no matter how few voters they had. Uh, it was that way of strengthening, of putting a carrot out for the southern states so that they would join the union. And then we still got it later, which shows that our Constitution, that stability is a bit of an overrated quality when you talk about a Constitution that can't even get rid of a very outdated and most and uh, uh, disliked electoral college. Well, do you think? But you know what happens? Yeah. Do you think that happens? Do you think that happens because people just have a mindset that this is the way it's going to be? I mean, that, I mean, I don't understand why it's so complicated, like you said, with the computers and the way they can count. And also, there's a thing people are trying to push through, which is ranked voting to really strengthen the vote to make sure that your vote does count. Well, the, if the leadership of the Democratic Party or and or the leadership of the Republican Party, if they wanted to get rid of the Electoral College, they could. But here's what happens. During the presidential election, uh, there was there, a friend of mine, um, when Obama was running, said, uh, okay, or maybe it was Obama, but anyway, is it okay if I vote for the Green Party candidate? I think it was Jill Stein that he would have voted for. I mean, because I really don't want... Uh, the other, you know, the Republican to win. That was his his point of view. And I said, yes, because the Democrats are going to take California. They'll take it like 60 percent to 40 percent. Millions of people could vote for the candidate that they really preferred that was Jill Stein. You know, they talk about the Greens supposedly take votes away from the Democrats. I know for a fact 
<laughs> that the Democrats take votes away from the Greens. <laughs> That's the direction that that goes. But so what I said to my friend was, Obama isn't even coming to California. He doesn't have to accept the fundraise. He's not coming to California. That card has already been dealt onto his stack of cards. And so all they pay attention to are states like Florida or other states that are called the swing states. They do not have to appeal to the whole American population. They, they can ignore us because they it, here in California or states that ten, that will always go republican they can ignore those states and so it makes it easier for them to just battle it out um in those couple of states and so they don't bother with getting rid of the electoral college so it's what's a your game that they know how to play and they keep it even though it's not democratic at all so what you're saying is is a kind of a mindset you know that they could move in another direction but they want to stay where it's familiar it's, it's, it's very interesting yeah, you know it's an agenda you know well talk about on the agenda what does a person have to go through for example if you are of any party what what does a person have to go through to get on the ballot i mean what are some of the rules well that's one of the interesting things that because i have run a number of times unintentionally but because i've run a number of times i have seen what has happened over time in the past 20 years from 2002 when i first ran and what um, at that time, the ballot statement that goes to every everybody in the state, if you're running for a state office, was free. You had up to 250 words or whatever it was. You had to keep the word limit, and then it was free. It was put out to every voting household in the state. Now it's $25 a word, and so if you're uh, if you do the 200 the full 250 words, that's going to cost you 6000 dollars. And so if you cut it down to 100 words and try to get everything into that, which is what I've tried to do, then that's still going to cost you 2500 that you send to the state of California. So, so the first, so the first thing that has to happen, it looks like, is that you have to write a statement about yourself that you turn in, and and at this point, where at one time it was free, now they're making it a little bit harder. What what do other people have? What are, what are some of the other steps that people have to take to get on the ballot? And there are also fees of thousands of dollars. So, what the last couple of campaigns that I ran, half or more of the money that I raised from the, my wonderful supporters, you know, who love the fact that they're, that we don't take corporate money and so they're willing to, to give the candidate, you know, to send their hard-earned dollars to the candidates. Um, but half of that money I sent to the state of California. Just to, just, just to get information on the ballot? Just to, the fees. It's thousands of dollars of fees in order to run to get the information on the ballot. If you, if I kept my uh, statement really tight, it was two thousand five hundred. Um, and then there are other costs that are associated with it. That to the point where the last couple of, of uh, campaigns that I ran, half the money went to the state. There's such a thing as public campaign finance that a lot of people have been trying to get go for. So that the people who are elected are paid for, are beholden to 
the public from the very beginning. So public campaign finance, as opposed to what we've got, is corporate and billionaire campaign finance. De facto. So, so what you're saying is is that there is a process. People have to sign. They have to go through this process. But one of the inhibitors is is that the if you don't have X amount of dollars, the chance of you even getting on the ballot or getting the word out is very, very difficult. Right. And then so that's the public part. So rather than co- public campaign finance, you have to pay money rather than California providing money for the candidates so that we're so that we're working for the public from the very beginning, even in our campaigns and certainly when we're elected. There's also the media. Well, you okay, know, the so- media the media is very interesting to me though. You know, I mean we know we know how costly that is. And I've often wondered why they're not using public radio like public access. I mean, for like say for example, here in Sonoma County, we have four channels. And why why we're not using the channels to do uh, to do uh, you know po- political information, especially when candidates are running, so there's more of an opportunity. I don't understand why they have to continue to use the you know the private media rather than the public media. Well, and the airways should be public, and in in other nations in the world, they are public airwaves, but it's been privatized like um, so many things. And when I say media, I'm not talking about the independent media, thank goodness, like KBBF, but talking about the mainstream media. Uh, It got to the point where when I ran, I mentioned that I ran for governor. The other, Jerry Brown, was running. Um, he had been governor, you know, years, decades before, and then he was running again in 2010. And Meg, Meg, Meg Whitman was running. She was a Silicon Valley uh, billionaire. And during that campaign, I realized that she, and she spent like $1.2 million on her campaign. Uh, and I think Jerry Brown only spent something like forty million, as opposed to one point two million. You know, it's huge amounts of money. But that rather than take any of the money that she had, I would take the media she got for free. I would take the news. You know, that if people, if the if the mainstream media, the newspapers, the radios, TV, wrote as much about. Laura Wells and Laura Wells platform, the Green Party platform, what we stand for, as much as they wrote about the billionaire um, Meg Whitman, I would take that and not a penny of of her other of the other money that she had at her disposal, because the media, if you're not on the media, then people don't even think you're running. Um, it's one of the you know there are all of these technical and sort of official media, you know, all of those things that um, that ha- are a big factor. But honestly, what the, the broad paintbrush, what they're trying to do is to paint you as cannot win. And so why would you vote for somebody who cannot win? Win. Or somebody, or somebody that that you, you're told is is a spoiler. I mean, it's it's kind of it's almost like it. it I almost get the feeling, and we're going to take a musical break if that's okay with you, and then we'll come back sure. and continue this. But it's almost like they they just put a barrier up. I mean, it's like it, there's no equality, there's no equal time. That's what I'm hearing you say, and that seems to be one of the barriers. And and oftentimes I'm wondering, you know. I, I often think that we're we're lazy. 
about finding out because we depend on certain on certain areas that are really not coming forward for us. Yeah, I know we've got the musical break, but just to say, um, Margaret Thatcher, who in the 80s was the um, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom while Reagan was president in the U.S., said, Tina, there is no alternative, T-I-N-A, there is no alternative, and that's the agenda, <laughs> to make people believe that. That there's no alternative. Well, let's let's take a break, a musical break here, and then we'll come back and we'll continue this. And I'm going to play this song. The song I'm going to play is called Brother Warrior, sung by Sherry Austin. And the reason the reason that I'm playing this song is that the last line on this is we're all looking for a vision that we can agree on and that we really are warriors together in this world, you know, we're living on the planet Earth, and we really have to start paying attention to things. And I hope just this little overview about about parties and some of the issues that go on trying to get on the ballot really help people to understand how difficult it is and how important it is that we each speak out and really let our values known. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's go ahead and play Brother Warrior, sung by Sherry Austin. When we come back, we will be talking with Laura Wells, and we're trying to we're giving you just an overview of a little bit the way our political system system works.
boy, we are really crying for a vision that all of us can agree on because there's a lot of disagreement going on these days. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz. I'm your host, and with me on the phone is Laura Wells, who is a longtime activist and Greek Party organizer. Welcome back again, Laura. And, you know, time goes by very quickly when you're sitting in the studio here, and we have so much to cover that I, I want to just get into this. Regarding elections and thirds party, what do you believe? You know, all that you've expressed, you know, I hear your frustration. I know the frustration of the other three parties. That, that have a very difficult time. What are some of the things that you believe need to be changed? Okay, I'll give you um, two things at least, debates and proportional representation. But first I want to say, you know, it, it isn't just that the, that the system is set up so that the Green Party can't win or other independent parties can't win it's that the voters can't win (laughs) you cannot vote for what you want you cannot move toward what you want you've got to settle for you know the whatever these uh two big parties offer and they're offering a whole lot less than other countries take for granted in terms of health care and no student debt and housing and things like that but the two things that i want to mention debates i mean the way things are right now include anybody Say in the presidential debate, one way that the debate could be opened up is to open them up to not all 200 parties that couldn't happen, but to the parties that are on, that have achieved ballot access, which requires getting tons and tons of signatures, a very expensive process um, to get on the ballot of all the 50 states rather than automatically be on, as you mentioned, the Democrats and Republicans are. Okay. So, so, so the parties that have achieved ballot status in enough states to where they could conceivably win, have them on the, in the debates, in the presidential debates. You would probably, in past years, you would end up with the, uh, in alphabetical order, the Democrats, the Greens, the Libertarians, and the Republicans, and it would be a far better debate. There have been times that, like the governor of Minnesota was in a debate and won. Um, Ra, uh, I've forgotten his name, but Ross Perot was in the debates in 1992 and got like 19%. You know, but but about that time, the League of Women Voters used to do the debates, but the Democratic and Republican parties put so many requirements, we won't show up unless you do this, unless you do that, that the League of Women Voters said we can no, we can no longer do the debates in this way. And so it's a consortium of both big parties that put on the debates. So right away, they've cut um, everybody else out. So that's debates. Another thing is that more than 90, 80, 90, 100 countries around the world have proportional representation. That is the real gold that would create a multi-party system like those other nations have. Ranked choice voting is important for like executive offices like mayor and, um, and governor and president. But proportional representation would mean that rather than five single-person districts, you'd have one district, for example, that had five um, legislators come from that district. If 20% of the voters said, I want green, 20% said, I want libertarian, they would be in the Congress. 
in the in the state legislatures, the assembly, the senate, the congress, you know, whatever, they would be there, and then suddenly it would be um, there would be ideas put on the table that weren't there before, and there would be strong support, for example, for single-payer health care. We wouldn't let it go by without their, without even a vote, as what happened a year and a half ago at the beginning of, of 2022 in California. It had everything going for it and uh, would, would, was not even brought uh, out for a vote. But so with proportional representation, and people can just look that up, Wikipedia has an entry on it, um, as I said, ni- over 90 countries in the world have it, and we don't even know what it is. But that is what allows for a multi-party system where you can vote for exactly what you, the values that you want. And you don't worry about gerrymandering and redistricting and all of that stuff. We know how, how bad a process that is. You, you don't even have to worry about that anymore because you've got a big five-person district. Well, you know, Laura, we're coming to the end of, and it's so, this is such a big subject, and I really, really appreciate that you coming on and and we're talking about it and trying to put some ideas out there. So I'm going to give you some time for last. words, you know, that anything that you feel is in your heart. And let us know on websites how people can get a hold of you if they have any questions. And I know you said you're not running again, but, and I understand that. And I, I, I understand daughters. I mean, my daughter's always telling me, Mom, you got to slow down a little bit. But, you know, I mean, when, when you're in it. So lots of lots of changes. Any last words and any websites that you would like how people can get a hold of you? Well, my my website and, and people could get a hold of me through that is um, just my name dot org. So it's l a u r a w e l l s dot o r g, and I, I post my monthly blogs there. Um, also, uh, uh, gp dot org for Green Party. That's the national, and cagreens dot org is the uh, the state Green Party. Um, and uh, there was a final word that just uh, crept right out of my head. Oh, we have a lot more power than we think. And a lot more people could vote for exactly what they want. If it's the Green Party, you could vote for the Green Party in California till the cows come home. Because the, the Democrats have got that card and they've had it 60 to 40 percent. And so, so use your vote to express your values and um apply some pressure that way and I, I i think raise our expectations we need a lot more before we call somebody a good president governor or whatever well laura well laura wells i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being on women's faces and giving us all this very very interesting information and the most important thing is that people you were coming up to a presidential election and a lot of other elections in 2024 and start paying attention start recognizing that your your vote does count you know and you have me. more choice than you think more power and if instead of staying home you know if instead of being out of your anger staying home you know look at look at the other look at the alternatives that are available and think about them don't say no before you do some research i mean we say no i think too quickly and for myself you know my prayer is that i've i really hope that the more young people come up and maybe some of these parties can get a little bit more serious about what they're doing well folks that 
that's it for our show. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. I want to thank Laura B. Wells, who is a member of the Green Party and a very, very bright, intelligent woman for giving us all this wonderful information and to remind the folks that tonight uh, Women's Spaces will be on at 11 p.m. I get to watch and listen to it myself. This is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to the day be with you the next time. She'll take you home now, the woman in your life. She can wait so easily. She knows everything you do because the woman in your life is you. Because the woman in your life, the woman in your life, the woman in your life. The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 31st, 2023.